0: Oh, Tabitha, I needed her this week. A woman in the Bible with a name. That rarely happens that we get a name for a woman in the Bible. Oh, there are a few. Mary, the mother of Jesus, and oh, that other Mary. Elizabeth, Phoebe, Lydia. But more often, we get the woman at the well the woman with the issue of blood, some descriptor of women instead of a name. But this week, I needed a name and a story. I needed her this week. She's the only woman in the Bible given the label disciple. I needed Tabitha this week. Leading up to Mother's Day are always days of trepidation for me in a pulpit. I had a wonderful mother, the best, and grandmothers too, and mother-in-law and grandmothers-in-law. And I've loved being a mother perhaps more than anything else about my life. I have only known bliss around all things motherhood. And perhaps it's my bliss that has made me so aware of so much pain around this word, mother. For the people for whom mother is a word of pain and grief and regret and sadness and incompetence and fear and isolation, may you know a measure of God's love that will somehow be a balm for your weary and hurting soul. For those who have known strife with your mother, for those who want to be a mother and keep experiencing loss, for those whose mothers have died, for those whose child has died, for those whose children have gone astray, for those who are estranged from their mothers and or their children. For those who have faced the pain of choices around mothering that have left you feeling in addition to the sadness and maybe fear that you were already feeling, now you're feeling guilt and shame added to the already difficult reality of your situation in the face of your choices. And that guilt and shame has often come hurling at you from people of faith showering you with guilt and shame and degradation. For all of you, I'm sorry. I am so aware that you are within earshot of any words that I offer today. So many people can't drag themselves to church, of all places, on days like today, I know that a lot of people are visiting their mothers somewhere else. A lot of people have taken children to see grandparents. And some folks just aren't here because it's too hard of a day to be here, fearing that something will be said in worship that will trigger the pain, the tears, the shame, that we will be tone deaf and just walk around saying, Happy Mother's Day, as if it's happy for all. I understand that. I understand not being here. Though let me say clearly that there's no better place to cry your tears than here. But it's difficult, and I get that. And as if Mother's Day, which began as a peace movement and not a sentimentalized hallmark hallmark initiative, as if Mother's Day wasn't hard enough, this week in our country's headlines we've read an awful lot about women and women's reproductive rights and health. This is treacherous territory, and I know that. But I cannot shy away from the angst and turmoil that I have felt all week. There are so many very strong feelings and emotions and so many passionate words being thrown about all around us. To not acknowledge this on this morning would mean that we are tone deaf. And that's about the last thing the church needs to be. It's been said that one should enter the pulpit with a Bible in one hand. And the newspaper in the other asking, what does the Bible have to say about those headlines? And how can those headlines better inform our faith story? So with the headlines, naming names like Roe and Wade, I opened the Bible this week to today's lectionary text, which was chosen years and years and years ago for this Sunday. And I read the name, Tabitha, oh, Tabitha, I needed you this week. A woman in the Bible with a name and a story. I needed her this week. She's the only woman in the Bible called a disciple. I needed Tabitha this week because all I could think about this week were all the people Yes, especially the women, but all the people who are dying, who need for us to tell them, get up. Did you catch the beauty of this short story? Tabitha, in Greek, her name is Dorcas. But Tabitha was a do-gooder of the highest order. And when she became ill and died... It was the women that surrounded her, mostly the women for whom she had done all the good. It sounds like it was mostly the widows, which would just be another way of talking about the poor, because without a man, any woman was poverty-stricken and down and out and last and least and lost and forgotten and forsaken, except by Tabitha, who had been Jesus to them. This Jesus she made them clothes. This Jesus, she fed them. This Jesus, she lifted them up when they were dying. It was this Jesus that they prepared her body and placed her in an upper room, not so different from the upper room story of that other Jesus. It even makes you wonder, could Tabitha have been in that other upper room story herself as a true and named disciple of Jesus. But this Jesus, she was the one who had brought life. And anyone that brings life, the kind of life that Jesus brought and brings, is a disciple whether they are named so or not. But Tabitha was named so. Tabitha was apparently a woman of means and status, and she understood that the flip side of privilege is responsibility. Unfortunately, it is true that there are few people, few disciples of any gender who would risk their entire economic status in order to provide for the less privileged. Mitzi Smith wrote in her commentary about this, that by taking such a risk, our good works and just acts challenge and transcend unjust systems. Many of us, us, she says, consider first consider how our giving will and will not diminish or increase our own living. We are willing to talk about, she says, dying for Christ, but not risking our living for others. The world, she says, would be a better place. The world will never be a better place as long as Tabithas are few. And even if their bodies experience a resurrection in this life like Tabithas, even that resurrected body was a mortal one. So it is the spirit of Tabitha the spirit in her that we hope will take on an immortality among the living. Tabitha used her privilege, her wealth, just acts and gifts and prophetic speech for the benefit of the less privileged, the widows, the indigent, the hungry, the depressed, the oppressed, the marginalized, the penalized. I needed Tabitha this week to remind me that in the spirit of Jesus and in that same spirit, the spirit of Tabitha, I too am an Easter person. Now please, I beg of you, don't get lost in the sensational of the story or you will surely miss the point. It is awesome to be dead and brought back to life. Who doesn't love that? But that is not what the story is about. The point is when Tabitha, who was alive and well and working among all the people who were in most need, when she was at her lowest, Peter told her to get up. It was that man named Simon that Jesus renamed Peter, rock, strong, steady, faithful. And Jesus told him on this rock, Peter, I will build my church and even the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So if you will allow me to take just a few leaps and jump through a few hoops and continue to hold the Bible in one hand and the headlines in the other, then what we have here today is the church telling the broken, the hurting, the grieving, the despairing to come on, get up. We've got you. But I'm sorry to report that the headlines that talk about how often the faith community speaks to those who are dying I've got dying in quotes because this is about much more than any literal death. This is about all the ways that people are hurting to their core. And the headlines about people of faith or people that claim faith, those headlines aren't reading, get up. Those headlines are calling people horrible names. Those headlines of people of faith are condemning people who are in terrible situations and facing horrific choices. From the mouths of people of faith, we often hear the most heinous venom. When all the church is called to say is get up. Get up. There's life and hope. There can be joy and recovery. There is mercy and grace, amazing grace. There's second chances and third and fourth too. There's forgiveness, there's compassion, there's care, there's good news even in the face of what seems like untenable circumstances. There's welcome, there's a fullness to life, abundance even. There is still Resurrection. Beloved, we are Easter people. Don't forget that. But you have to get up. And she did. Tabitha opened her eyes, the text says. What has been your best eye-opening experience? The text says, she sat up. When have you found yourself easing back into the land of the living after you've been down and out? And then the text says, Peter, Peter gave her his hand and he helped her up. After he told her to get up, he helped her up. He really did with no judgment no condemnation, with no questions or need for her to explain herself. He didn't wait for her to pull herself up by her own bootstraps that she had. She had bootstraps. Most of the women didn't but he didn't even ask her to pull herself up by her own bootstraps. He helped her up, and then he called all of those who had been weeping and mourning, all of those who had gathered in that upper room, all of those who had been showing off all the things that Tabitha had made for them like a fashion show. And they were telling the stories of all she had done for them and given to them. And he showed her to be alive." And that's what made the headline news in Joppa that day. It was the talk of the town when a woman was brought back to life by an encouraging word and a helpful hand. If you are within earshot of me right now, you either are someone Or you know someone that needs an encouraging word and a helpful hand. No matter where you stand on any issue, the church was founded on the bedrock principle of the encouraging word and the helpful hand. We would do well to remember that in every word that we speak, in every post that we submit and in every action we take. Helpful word, encouraging word, helpful hand. I'm indebted again to womanist biblical scholar Will Gaffney. In her blog post from 2014, it was entitled, When Mother is the Hardest Word. And in that piece she writes, On this Mother's Day, I am reminded of the risk inherent In being a girl or woman on display in particular ways. For all those women who have chosen motherhood and mothered the children of their hearts and wombs and streets and those they have embraced from near and far with or without papers, I give thanks. For all the men who have loved and nurtured with exquisite tenderness in the absence of any other mothering, I give thanks with all the motherless children, and for those for whom it would have been better to be motherless, I weep. And for the daughters of all trafficked girls and the mothers who are fighting for their return, I pray and I work. The American Mother's Day industry seems willfully and uncaringly blind to the lives, struggles, and deaths of most of the world's mothers and their children. And in borrowing Kate Bowler's words, may we be people marked by a bright hope in the midst of the darkest hours. May we be Easter people. May it be so. Amen.